from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Stan Ashes, a seminarian working for the diocese this summer and filling in for the talented Kelly Mesher Collins this month. <laughs> uh, this morning we'll be talking with Father Joshua Johnson, a priest in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, ordained in 2014. He has served in several parishes on the campus of Louisiana State University, and he's now uh, taking over as the vocations director for the diocese. In his spare time, he is also the author of a couple books published through Ascension Press, such as Pocket Guide to Adoration and Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation. But uh, before we get to Father Joshua, uh, Bishop, what's on your mind? Good morning, Stan, and thanks for the morning, yeah. respect you show Kelly, a very talented As always, and vivacious yeah. and all that, too. But uh, so many things going on. Kind of a fire hose, you'd think, kind of in this time of August, but certainly not the summer doldrums in any way. So I was really uh, grateful to be with our Class 13 permanent deacons as they celebrated their 10th anniversary last Friday night at Christ the King Parish. And uh, Father Dan Gaylor gave a beautiful homily. He was part of that class as first ordained a permanent deacon and then <laughs> priest. So kind of an interesting life path for him as well. Uh, I was with the Legatus folks on Tuesday night, kind of shared about what it means to be a believer in times of chaos. And uh, interesting, what I took as a compliment and feedback after that is someone said, you know, usually when someone's speaking, you can tell pretty quickly where their political sympathies are. But he says, you know, you talk to us for 40 plus minutes, and I couldn't tell what side of the aisle, you know. And so, you know, it's something as bishops we receive, you know, people say, you know, the bishops need to de-link themselves from party X or party Y in that way. And I think that as Catholics, we don't really find ourselves lining up with either party in an identical way. I think we all have to discern and perfectly place our priorities at the issues. I know what some of mine are, and I hit those notes sometimes in my preaching in other ways. But it never fully, uh, to be Catholic is to, is the uh, our, our uh, identity, our core to be Christian Amen. in this way that Amen. transcends political party affiliation. Sometimes I think even in these weeks with the conventions, uh, that <laughs> can get inverted a little bit as well. I was over in Council Bluffs yesterday bidding farewell to Deacon Vernon Dolman, who served nobly his 14 months as uh, executive director of St. Albert Catholic School and discerning that perhaps to be closer to family in Colorado. Deacon Vernon did so much as both not just uh, an administrator, but as a spiritual father of that community, his ministry, if you will, and I think, you know, setting a good foundation for that community to continue to be what it is and realizing its mission. Also had a marvelous time, Father Glenn Wilberding, a beloved former pastor of St. Patrick Parish there who suffered the stroke uh, 20 months ago, the 20-month anniversary yesterday, who's now going to be with his brother Gary, and so he continues to recover slowly, so we continue to pray for him. Great patience but he still radiates that joy, even if he doesn't always have the words immediately at his disposal. So uh, mm. thank you to Father Glenn for that time to yesterday as well. And then also visiting with our Christ the King housing folks who Clark hosted us and uh, had the delight to meeting Cindy Miller and Sandy Rouse, uh, kind of the veteran residents of Christ the King One Housing, and uh, just great women of faith. You know, these are the these are the saints that animate us. <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. these marvelous women in some ways. Sandy... Uh, Catholic school teacher at St. Ambrose and then Holy Family for over 40 years, and she was celebrating her birthday yesterday, and so it was a great birthday That's treat beautiful. to be with yeah. her and offer her a blessing, but just her vitality. And she says, you know, the young people, 
they don't change, you know, and I get her great love for them. And so you could just see that that rate with middle school students, that's a distinct vocation. <laughs> yeah. If ever there was one, you know, I mean, talk about that. And I get to be at, at Christ the King again tomorrow to celebrate the admission to candidacy for seminarian Luis Cabrera, who's finished his pre-theology studies and now will be entering into the uh, major theology at uh, St. Paul Seminary. So one more chance for the young, uh, for the seminarians to be together. I don't know if it'll be a, a big bash. Yeah, you know, we'll be outdoors at the Grotto afterwards, I think. But uh, kind of a his, this step forward, a man whose vocational path is fascinating. We'll have to have him on the show sometime, you know. But uh, we might even be close in age. And uh, yet uh, <laughs> he who experienced marriage for 25 years and then was widowed uh, with his wife, Ray, but God's calling and tugging on him. And so I think it uh, very much, the only thing is he can't retire at age 70. That's the condition if he gets ordained. Oh, so yeah. we, we, we want to. He's got to make up that honor, time, yeah. Honor in that way. But uh, very good. And then uh, we're, we're thinking about some other things that are uh, heading up here as well and the chance to be with the but on this feast day of uh, of St. Pius X, and so uh, secondary patron tomorrow, uh, Mary Queen of Heaven, our primary patroness. So marvelous. We'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one. One child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Hey, welcome back to the show. Um, I'm Stan Ashes, seminary and summer intern with the diocese. Today we're visiting with Father Josh Johnson. He's a young priest ordained in the diocese of Baton Rouge in 2014. He served in parishes as a university chaplain and now as a vocations director for Baton Rouge. He's also found the time to host a podcast and write a couple great spiritual books. Welcome. Good morning, Father Johnson. This is Bishop Good Johnson. Morning, Bishop. So we got we got the J&J boys going here this morning. <laughs> Good morning, Bishop. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, always a gentleman. So uh, thank you amidst your busy ministries and podcasts and everything else for making some time with us and kind of just using your, your book, Broken and Blessed, as a springboard for us. But I think we can let the Spirit kind of guide us as well and things that we're about as uh, too. So uh, I imagine university schools uh, resuming, or maybe they have, they've already done so in the Diocese of Baton Rouge and, of course, the LSU in, in the midst of that. They have, yeah, yeah. So all of our schools are back open. Some are um, doing online schooling, and some are doing a bit of a hybrid of both. And so uh, it's getting pretty busy again down here. <laughs> okay. And then uh, your your role as vocation director, so does that have you out and about as well, or kind of trying to, to be as present to the, the, the students as you were when you were stationed at the, at the university? Yeah, so I'm still also pastor. Um, so I'm a pastor of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church as well as vocation director. And so... I'm just trying to right now uh, find find the right balance, Bishop, uh, between uh, being present to my my flock here um, at the parish, and then also traveling to the diocese, going on the university campus and to the high schools to 
to invite guys to discipleship, you know, because I, I believe the, the biggest problem with vocations right now is that um, a lot of guys don't know how to pray. And so I just really do believe that if we can help guys to encounter Jesus um, and to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ in the sacred scriptures and the blessed sacrament, then Jesus Christ, he will call them, and I'll just be able to walk with them. So most of the guys who I'm meeting right now, both in my parish and throughout the diocese, I'm just trying to help them to cultivate their relationship with the Lord, to fall in love with Jesus, stay in love with Jesus, and, and then hopefully abide in his love as saints in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. Amen. Amen. And that comes through loud and clear in your book. You know, I mean, it's very, I mean, you weave in the narrative of your own story, but it's very practical about prayer and things and even kind of a ordering one's life and kind of a rule of life, you know, that, uh, yeah, seminary provides some structure, but as a priest, you've had to be very intentional in that regard. And so it was kind of, you know, interesting because, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to sweet talk here, schmooze you here, but, uh, you know, you're a man, God's endowed with many, many gifts. And so for one who does all things well, you're in demand. And, you you know, the Bishop Duca has obviously discerned that and placed you in a position where you can be engaging young men, but uh, all that's there. And so I was very kind of fascinated even toward the end of the book. You know, you're kind of using our evangelical brother Rick Warren and, uh, you know, purpose-driven life, yeah. you know, thinking about, you know, prioritizing things that are important and urgent and, and looking at things in that way. And that's not to, to diss people in any way or to, to say they don't matter, but uh, you have to be discerning all, all the way along that. And, and even for your own prayer, I, I see you're very concrete and how you go about that could you just comment on that yeah i mean so uh i i need practical so whenever i was at one of my parishes in the past i would always preach about the interior life i mean one of my parishioners came up to me one day and she said father you know you're always talking about prayer and our need to pray with scripture and our need to go before the blessed sacrament or, or pray the rosary she said but you never teach us how um and so that's whenever i i began to become just very practical um, with people, with how to help them to cultivate their relationship with Jesus Christ. But um, but that's also the way I am for me. You know, like, Bishop, I, I have to be very ordered. Like, literally, I live by my calendar. Uh, I love structure. I love order. Um, and whenever I don't have order, there's there's, there's chaos in my life. <laughs> um, and so I have uh, accountability partners and my brother priest who hold me accountable, who check on me to ask me not only um, when I'm praying or where I'm praying or how I'm praying, so they asked him what's happening in my prayer, because as you know, Bishop, um, sometimes we could say, oh yeah, our prayer is good. And we say, well, well what do you mean good? Like, how, how good <laughs> is your prayer? Oh, well, I mean, I'm praying, but like, but how long are you praying? Because it, it really, it really is important to, to, to be intentional, to prioritize, you know, more time with Jesus um, throughout the day, especially in, in the work that we're called to do, which is to work for salvation of souls. There's a huge spiritual battle going on. And so if we're not rooted in, in adoration of Christ then how are we going to imitate Christ? Um, at, imitation flows from adoration. So uh, I just find that, for me, I have to be super consistent and intentional with the calendar, and my staff holds me accountable to my cal- calendar as well. And I give my staff permission to ask me, hey, Father Josh, how's your prayer going? Um, because I, I, I need people to make sure that I am abiding in relationship with the Lord, especially with the work that the Lord has been inviting me to do in this season of my priesthood. I have to have the mind of Christ, and I have to have the heart of Christ. Um, because the, the enemy wants to come with distort truth and, and cause division. So um, it's just necessary for all of us to be super practical um, and prioritize Jesus Christ on our calendar and to have accountability partners to, to hold us accountable to, to, to that relationship with the Lord. 
Yeah, and that's a humility on your part that you can be transparent. You know, I mean, I think you know, I don't, I don't hear you doing this. You know, and I'm a former classroom teacher, but you know, we can't assess or give a grade to our prayer in that way. I mean, I think we want to see how it's playing out and the fruits that are there. But it's kind of like uh, Saint John Paul II was saying, you know, well, what happens in your prayer? And he says, I don't know. Talk to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, that there's something going on there that uh, we can't, you know, fully comprehend what God is doing in that prayer. But we see then yeah. how it allows us to be ever more present. And so when we start, you know, comprehending or cutting, you know, cutting corners mm. in that way, uh, we'll, we'll, I think we'll be doing the very same thing with people and our mode of being present with them, yes. you know, because we'll be thinking about what's the next thing and how am I fitting this person and, and that. And I caught myself even this week, uh, you know, doing that when somebody kind of popped in on my office and I was like, Ugh, you know, but uh, <laughs> you know, with that prayer to, to be able to do that. So, yeah, mm. um, you, you, you speak about your, your own kind of awakening to Christ and the kind of winding path that was there, uh, your youngest of seven children. So uh, that's why you're so charming and people oriented, right, as the youngest of seven. But, uh, you know, that... Uh, uh, you know, and uh, kind of a, uh, a an experience there where your faith was was going all over the place, but uh, it was activated in different ways. So scripture fell into it, but your, even your relationship with the church was kind of as an outsider looking with suspicious eyes and kind of critical eyes. Could you comment more about that? Yeah, so I, so I grew up um, in, in a biracial home um, in the 1980s. My dad's African American, my mom is a white Catholic, um, but that's Protestant. And uh, just growing up in church, um, that was predominantly a white Catholic church, uh, we were able, we, we could feel sometimes the, the prejudice <laughs> of, other, of other people in the church, and they weren't very welcoming. All the people, the pastors were great, but some of the people weren't so um, hospitable. And so I just grew up kind of thinking that um, because the church was very impersonal, that God was a very impersonal God. Uh, and, and so I began to, to look for, for love <laughs> in all the wrong places, I guess you could say. Uh, and I became an athlete and tried to find uh, fulfillment in, in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to find fulfillment in dating, and and, uh, and then eventually I had some um, some friends who were evangelicals and on fire for the Lord Jesus, and they began to invite me to evangelical conferences. and And through their friendship, I began to encounter encounter Jesus in a very personal way, but he's not in the sacraments, and so. Um, I, something was still missing even whenever I began to grow in my relationship with Jesus in their ecclesial communities because I was missing the confessional and I was missing the Eucharist, so I did not know I was missing those sacraments until um, one of my classmates in uh, Pair School of Religion, or CCD, I don't know what you guys call it up there, but one of my classmates, she, she invited me to a Super Bowl conference, and it was uh, June 26, uh, 2004, Saturday night, um, 8 o'clock p.m., Bishop Sam Jacobs in Alexandria, Louisiana, he exposed the Eucharist <laughs> for adoration. And I never believed in the Eucharist. I always thought it was a piece of bread. And then I realized that he was a person. And when he came in my presence, I just fell to my knees, and he gave me the grace to believe in him. And, um, and I asked the Lord what his will was for my life. As a guy, we're always thinking about practicals, like, what can I do for you, uh, Jesus? And the first words I perceived from the Lord um, were, I love you. <laughs> Now, Josh, I used to love you before you began to live a life of mortal sin, again, because I had not been to the confession in forever. Uh, or, Josh, I'm going to love you after you go to confession. He just saw me, um, he knew me, and he loved me. And so I knew, like, I wanted to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, specifically in the Blessed Sacrament from that moment on. And in that moment of prayer before the uh, Blessed Sacrament, before Jesus Christ, I also perceived an invitation to discern the priesthood, to which I rejected. Uh, I did not want to be a priest. 
but I knew that I wanted to be in a relationship with the Blessed Sacrament. And so um, after that conference, I began to go to an adoration chapel pretty much every day. Um, from my last year in high school to my first year of college at Southern University, I would just always make time to go and sit there and be with Jesus in the Eucharist. And, uh, and through that time that I spent with him in the Blessed Sacrament, I just fell more in love with the Lord and desired to do Desire to make him happy because he he fulfilled me, he fulfilled mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. completed me, and so I I didn't want to be a priest still, uh, mm-hmm. but I I knew that that the invitation wouldn't go away, and so I said Jesus I just want to make you happy because you make me happy, and so I'm going to go to seminary for you, um, and then eventually um, in the seminary that place is conducive for discernment, I I did begin to desire to to serve the Lord as a priest of Jesus Christ, and eight years later. I was ordained on May 31st, the Feast of the Visitation, which was providential and super cool because four years earlier, I did my first consecration to Jesus through Mary, uh, the Louis de Montfort consecration, and my, my feast was the Visitation. So I thought it was really special that I got to be ordained on Mary's feast day. Um, and so, yeah, just the Lord's been... Yeah, what marvelous resonances, you know, and these are, these are etched moments in your soul uh, with concrete time and place and all of that, you know, and it's not like you're saying, I mean, Jesus became my Lord and Savior, but in a real way, I mean, he, he became incarnate. He became the, the Lord yeah. of all history in your history, in your story in that way. And I think, you know, uh, many of us graced it to hear those moments. And sometimes that well precedes a man feeling the tug in his heart to the priesthood. Sometimes a man, by other circumstances, gets there. And I was, you know, sharing on one of our own seminarians, I, he shared that this summer, it's in a way that his heart was finally activated, and it was just, it's, it's something powerful, you know, and, and all mm. the things that we do, but but then that particular grace, and I guess it's just, it was the anointed time for him, and, and so how that, you know, is is so vital in the in the DNA, if you will, not only of a priest, but of every Christian disciple, that we have that, and if we make ourselves available, like you had in adoration, that that just becomes something. God's going to take us up on our offer here, and like you say, he's like, you're useful to me, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put up with you, but no, I love <laughs> I love you. I love you. And uh, apart from anything you do, good or bad, and, and that constancy, mm. that unconditional love, which I guess we could translate that as mercy, you know, and you, you draw yeah. from that and that mercy that awakens trust uh, in so many ways. Um, I like, too, how you kind of think about the lies of Satan. You kind of trot out, you know, different images or profiles of God, an angry scorekeeper, eternal vending machine, and <laughs> prosperity. I think, you know, those are all things. And, and how God kind of broke through all of those things, you know, those kind of uh, false portraits, if you will. Those, And he's continuing to break through those things, right, because it's, it's a daily relationship. And so there are days where the lies creep back in, and I, and I begin to believe the lies and, and, and until the Lord reorients my attention to his, his, his face, which is his mercy, divine mercy. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you for reminding me that that is not you I'm listening to right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You make reference to your biracial identity, uh, and I think at some point in the book you say, within the Diocese of Baton Rouge, that uh, you are the only kind of African-American uh, uh, priest. Priest, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so do you feel that that carries a certain... Uh, potency, a certain responsibility, but then does it also mean that, hey, people kind of expect you to be the the witness or spokesperson, particularly with all that's happened this summer here in our country? Yeah. Well, you know, Bishop, I really do believe, um, and just in my time with the Lord and in prayer for the Blessed Sacrament, I do believe that the Lord created me um, to be a saint for these times. I mean, I, I, I hope I'm a saint, because otherwise I'm going to go to hell, but... Um, I do believe that the Lord Jesus Christ did create me, and with my history of growing up with a father who was a policeman, a mother who was a nurse, a father who was Protestant, a mother who was Catholic, a father who was black, a mother who was white, um, 
for a time such as this to to help to 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 build a bridge to help to heal the divide um, that is currently present in our nation um, and it has been present in our nation's history. Uh, so there is a responsibility um, that I do carry, um, and I'm I'm grateful to the Lord for this gift um, because the Lord has used the gift of my history um, uh, and, and of my family background, my experiences. He's used it in very very profound ways to just help to draw all people to conversion and all people back to the face of Jesus Christ. And so I uh, I, I do believe that um, I do have a responsibility um, because of my history um, to help form saints um, in this generation uh, with regards to this issue of the racial divide in the United States of America, because I, I believe that there's a demonic stronghold. I've said this on, in other conversations. I really do believe that um, that there is a demonic stronghold, and I yeah, just I can go into I can talk about this for for days. But yes, I believe <laughs> that the Lord Jesus Christ desires for for the church to. I, I think I've seen something different now um, in this season of my priesthood than I've ever seen in the history of my priesthood or seminary formation with regards to the response of the church stepping up to the plate, saying that we desire to be used by God to to work together with mem- many members of the body of Christ. Finally, saying I get it because um, I've been speaking about this stuff for years and. In the past, sometimes I speak about it, and people are like, oh, you know, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. But now, there's something different. The Holy Spirit is doing something new in the Church, and it's very beautiful, and it's going to get really messy, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the cross. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, it's, but the cross is beautiful, and mess is beautiful, because that's where transformation happens, is through the cross. And so, yeah, it's an exciting time, Bishop. <laughs> it is, it is, and it could be a, a scary time, but I think, you know, the boldness of faith that's there. And uh, obviously with COVID, you know, there's some accommodations we have to make in terms of how we're together and that. And, and some see that as a kind of timidity, but I think it's uh, kind of gathering ourselves in a way for this kind of uh, evangelical power that you embody in, in beautiful ways to, to break loose and uh, to really resonate and kind of create a pulse that goes throughout the, the body of Christ and into our society. So, yeah, I mean, you have a... You you have a certain mantle of authority by virtue of our, your identity, but you know you're, people won't, can't trivialize you either, too, because you know you're, yeah. you have that humility that you know if you don't depend on Jesus today, then it's all for naught. So, would you oh, be willing? Yeah, would you be willing to hang with us a few more minutes after the break? Certainly. All right. Certainly. Thank I'd you. Love to. All right. All right. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Their number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. BlessmanInternational.org. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We're here with Father uh, Joshua Johnson. 
Thank you, Father Johnson. Uh, that book, again, is Broken and Blessed, an invitation of my generation, and we're going to delve into it just to kind of in the break and the Blessed International friends that uh, are doing such great work in Africa. Reminder, in the Diocese of Des Moines this weekend, we have our annual special collection for the church in Africa. Uh, I think that's an opportunity for us to really experience that solidarity. I was uh, on the phone, actually, with Bishop Thomas Osman of the Diocese of Barentu, Eritrea, uh, and uh, how he, the Eritrean community here in Des Moines reaching out to their own folks and providing sizable financial support, which originally was going to be diverted to to build a church. That was what it was designated for. But because the dire need and hunger in light of COVID and everything else, they've had to redirect that to meet that that very human need. So uh, again, mm-hmm. I, I encourage our people to prayerfully consider supporting the Church in Africa collection uh, this week. But there's that other spiritual hunger, Father Johnson, and uh, you know, speaking to your generation and, and loneliness, and how you're just trying to teach people to believe that Jesus is present to them in their lives, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the different ways we try and fill that hunger. Your reference to Christopher and the frat parties and all that was going on, you know, at the university mm-hmm. life in that way. But that that that's kind of a lie, and you know, even your your own transparency, you know, your your love affair for Mariah Carey, but she's spoken oh, for yeah. her. <laughs> she's spoken for these days. <laughs> You know, I, I used to laugh and say, you know, if Kate Blanchett ever was available, you know, would, would I need the priesthood or not? But I'm dating myself generationally. So so uh, thankfully God protected her, me from her, her from me, whatever. Uh, but, they, you know, sometimes we focus on, you know, the, the, the sins and the inclinations of the flesh as men. But that when we really do try and practice temperance, then the deeper spiritual things. You talked about envy and, and kind of the ways in which oh, yeah. we compare ourselves and even... Citing Teddy Roosevelt, the comparison is the thief of joy. I love that line. I'm going to use that. So, mm. but uh, mm. can you just talk about that? That we're maybe as men, you know, that the, the the deeper spiritual work is is even beyond the things of the flesh. Well, definitely. You know, I think pride and envy are the are the roots of all of our vices. And so, uh, while it is is necessary for us to to combat all vices, I think it's important for us to look at the deeper vices that kind of feed um, and are like the the source. Uh, of those other struggles that we have, those other bad habits that we have. And so, uh, yeah, in, in, you know, ingratitude is one of the greatest virtues that we could, we could cultivate, just being grateful for the, for the gifts that God has given us, you know, to take our eyes. I actually went to confession recently, um, and the, the priest gave me the most beautiful penance. It was so beautiful. His penance was, because um, I was actually worried about somebody else. So it wasn't envy, but it was just, um, I, was, I was concerned. And the priest said, pray with John 21. You know, Peter looking at Jesus face to face, Jesus telling Peter how he's going to die. And then after that, John, the beloved disciple coming up, John who rests on the, on the, on the breast of Jesus Christ and the sacred heart of Jesus Christ comes up and Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and says, well, what about him? Begins to, to, to look at this other person. And Jesus says, don't, you don't worry about him. Don't you worry about what I'm doing in somebody else's life. You follow me. Um, and, I, and I think when we can begin to really look at the Lord Jesus and follow him, and if we're looking at him, then we're going to be more, prone to hearing him speak to us. And if we're hearing the Lord Jesus Christ speak to us, then less and less are we going to be concerned about all these other passing things, all these other passing goods. And when we look at the Lord, we can, we can also imitate the Lord as well. So we've got to begin to continue to cultivate virtues that combat you know, lust and, and gluttony and sloth, but we also really, really as disciples of Jesus Christ need to look at pride and envy and where are they operative in our lives, because those vices, in my opinion, um, those are the vices that feed lust, that feed uh, sloth, that, that feed gluttony, wrath. They, they feed them. I mean, they often go unaddressed. They go unaddressed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when they go on a dress, we continue to fall into lust again, over and over again. And we're like, why am I struggling with lust? And I'm like, so I, I encourage people, let's not even look at lust right now. Let's look at where's envy or pride at, you know? Um, mm-hmm. or how's your prayer life in general, right? Uh, that, that could tell me a lot by asking that question is how is your relationship with Jesus? How much time are you spending with Jesus? Are you fasting? Um, <laughs> and whenever we get to those roots, we, I think we'll see, we see the deeper things that are really going on and the ways in which God is drawing us and drawing them to, to union um, that we can typically um, look over when we just focus on the, 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 the sins of the flesh. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Father Josh, for joining us. Uh, it's been a great show. Um, you're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Jones. We could easily go another half hour, but we'll have to wait for another That's time. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're listening on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Jonson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.